If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first Nemours Champions for Children COVID-19 update for the week of December 3rd, 2020. I'm Carol Vassar, and it's my honor to introduce to you the person who will serve as your host for all podcasts providing COVID-19 updates for associates, Dr. Jay Greenspan. Dr. Greenspan is the enterprise-wide incident commander for dealing with the pandemic. Jay, welcome, and thanks for coming on board to let our associates know on a weekly basis, what's happening and how Nemours is responding. So from your view as the leader of this effort, what is the situation right now? Thanks, Carol. And first, I want to say that we hope these are very uh, short-lived podcasts. We hope to get through this together and not have to be talking to each other in the summer. But it is what it is. And we, you know, last year at this time, we didn't even know what was hitting us. We had no idea it feels like it's been 10 years to me, uh, but it has only been you know nine months. And we stood up what we call Enterprise Incident Command, which is a group of us that meet at least weekly. We were meeting every day for a while. Back in March, when we saw this tsunami of trouble coming, Florida and the Delaware Valley, actually Florida uh, was first. Uh, they declared a statewide emergency before we in Delaware even had our first case. We had our first case in early March, and the rest is history. We have been through much together, Ken and I and the entire team. Uh, Someday we'll just have to write a book about this because it's been quite a year in many ways. But we're now at a new phase of COVID-19. And so the Incident Command does meet every Wednesday at noon for an hour, and we go over things. But there are other Incident Commands, and there are lots of groups working on things from masks to vaccine preparedness. And you should know on the Moore's associates that there's a lot of people behind the scenes doing a lot of work in addition to their regular day jobs to both help us stay safe as associates and deal with our states and our nation in managing this pandemic. And I have to say that the Moore's has really stood tall in dealing with the helping the nation uh, because it's not primarily a pediatric disease help them uh, deal with this pandemic from first responders to hotspots to policy, et cetera. Lots and lots and lots of people at Nemours have done a lot of incredible work. And I'm so appreciative and so honored to be part of that. During those new meetings, Ken Alexander and uh, his counterparts, uh, mostly Karen Raven up in the Delaware Valley, give what we call a situational update. So in instant command, it's a very standardized approach to uh, dealing with a usually a short-lived challenge like a hurricane or a snow blizzard. But um, in this case, we do follow the same pathway, but it's been going a lot longer. And Ken always gives the situational update. So why don't we just cut to the chase and talk about this week situational update. And I return to Ken and say, what's the, what's the scoop, Ken? Thanks, Jay. It's it's always nice to, to see you. Uh, and I look forward to doing this over something other than a computer, perhaps maybe a glass of wine at some point. So a situational update. 
things are kind of scary right now. Uh, in the United States, we have now crossed the 250,000 mark in terms of fatalities. So there's been a lot of heartache brought by this virus. As many of you are aware, the virus is sort of storming away, especially in the upper Midwest, where they're having an awful lot of cases and beginning to look at the possibility of their hospitals being, being overloaded. So while we face all this darkness, there's two bright spots. One is that children continue to do well. I looked earlier today at the data from Florida. In Florida, there have been more than 80,000 children test positive for COVID-19, and yet we've only had nine fatalities. So children continue to do well across the United States. Of course, the other bit of bright news that's really in forefront of everybody's mind is now we've got the potential for some vaccines. So that's a double-edged sword. The good news is we've got vaccines on the horizon. The challenge here is how are we going to get those vaccines into people's arms so we can protect our communities, our patients, and the people we love? Give, give us some sense of when, how much vaccine might be available and when, and, uh, and what, what are those vaccines? So there's two vaccines that are, are on the verge of being approved, one by Pfizer, uh, and a second one by a company called Moderna. And both vaccines are, are quite similar. They're mRNA vaccines. And both of them appear to be highly efficacious. In other words, they prevent disease in people that get vaccinated. And for both vaccines, it looks like if you get vaccinated properly, it reduces the risk of symptomatic COVID-19 disease by 95%. In other words, that's a, that's a risk reduction down to one in 20 of what it would have been before. So they work really, really well. The other thing is we understand that not only do vaccines prevent disease, but they attenuate disease. In other words, even if you do get COVID, you won't get it as severely. And there are good data, especially for the, the, the Moderna vaccine, that it essentially 100% effective at keeping you out of the hospital. So when we talk to families, the first point we always want to make is, does it work? And the evidence so far, based on studies with 50,000 people getting the vaccines is, yeah, it works really well. And so if I'm a healthcare worker, when can I expect to get it, be able to get a shot in my arm? Soon as possible is the, yeah. the real answer. Of course, what we're hoping is that as these vaccines are approved by the FDA and they get what's called an emergency use authorization, that these vaccines will be made available to us in hospitals. It looks as though we'll start seeing vaccine probably within the next two to three weeks. And hopefully we'll be immunizing people before Christmas. Now, having said that, we won't be able to immunize everybody. Hopefully, demand is going to exceed supply, that there are people that will want this. And so the challenge that we've faced is how do we make sure that the people that get the vaccine first are the right people to get the vaccine first? And so that's been a, a big discussion through our, our whole system. And there are some rules that we're, going, we're abiding by. Uh, so it's not just by who's at risk for COVID. It's there's a reason why the, they're giving the vaccine to healthcare workers and to people living in long-term term care facilities. And it's not around all around the risk of getting the disease. It's around the risk 
at least the healthcare workers, of not being able to do your job, right? Yes. So both of these things are being being brought into consideration. It's not an easy thing, but I will say it's certainly been well thought through by the team that's doing it. But I want people to know there's a lot of people thinking about this very seriously. Well, and I think what we can honestly say to these people, Jay, is that science is what's ruling the day here. Yeah, that's great. So get a shot, take your mask off, good to go. I wish, you know, uh, so I I think when you get a shot, you will be protected. The trouble is, in in this country, is that not everybody's going to have a shot. So we don't know how well you're going to be protected yet. I think that time will come, but I wouldn't be comfortable taking my mask off until roughly 60 to 70% of people have been immunized. That's a good point. And we have said, and some presidents and command have suggested that you shouldn't return to work if you don't need to be at work until the summer we'll re- revisit and that we're gonna keep our masking and or eye covering uh, decisions intact for a while, right? Well, it's because we're really, what we're all about here is, of course, not only protecting ourselves, but protecting each other. That, you know, the, the key here is that in healthcare, we work as a team, we take care of patients, and then we go home to families and our communities. So it's, it's really not just about what's my benefit. It's about who else am I protecting when I wear my mask, when I wash my hands, when I socially distance, and when I take my vaccine. And I know there's some resistance to the vaccine. It, it, you know, this is an mR. This is an RNA vaccine. What's our experience with that? What do you see as a risk to this type of vaccine? So these are very exciting vaccines, and this is the first time that vaccines like this have been used on a large scale in humans. They have been used in various cancer trials for for treating cancer and making cancer vaccines. Very well studied in animals. But in some ways, I want people to think about this as as sort of the most natural form of immunization. You'll remember that the way we make proteins is we make RNA and then send it out into the cytoplasm of our cell where a protein gets made. So now what we're doing is introducing a little bit of RNA that makes a viral protein so that the body sees that and amounts an immune response. So we're not even adding an exogenous protein we're letting the body make its own protein and then mount an immune response to that. So it's it's hard to get more natural than that. So Ken, this is, you know, say the shots available, you know, uh, come December 20th. Is it a one and done deal? Uh, when are we protected? I wish it were. Uh, and of course, nobody likes getting shots. Anybody that tells you they like getting shots is lying to you. But it's a two dose series. And the way to think about it is that you've got a primary dose that says to your immune system, hey, pay attention. Uh, And then the second dose says to your immune system, mount a big response so that we can protect. That's great. It sounds like my third grade teacher trying to wake me up in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and I think rumor has it that the best protection occurs after the second shot. So if you get the first shot, we're going to really hound you to get that second one, even if you had a sore arm. And then uh, hopefully a couple days or weeks after that, that's when the protection comes in. So it's not get a shot and you have protection right away. Well, better better sore arms than sore lungs. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the the thing I always tell families, I always joke with parents, only immunize the children that you love. (laughs) That, That immunization is really a gesture of love. And this is what we do 
because we love our children, because we love our families, and we care about our communities. So being my most esteemed, knowledgeable expert, would you take the vaccine? Uh, I would, you bet, the first <laughs> first chance I get. In fact, I'll be candid here, Jay. I've been trying to get into a clinical trial, <laughs> but they're not terribly interested in enrolling slightly overweight white guys because they need more diversity yeah. than, than what I bring. And just to ask, uh, just because we are taking care of kids, when do you think kids will get the vaccine? So the vaccine's going to be approved down to about age 16. So for our older adolescents, they'll probably be able to get the vaccine as it comes available sometime first or second quarter of next year. For younger kids, those trials are now underway. I'm guessing we'll see some information probably around September to December of next year. Now, that's uh, that's disappointing because, of course, we want to immunize kids. But again, the good news is the kids are doing great. Any other thing you think we should know about in terms of the situation? Two things I want people to be aware of. Uh, the way these vaccines are being approved, everybody says, well, it's being approved in a hurry. And you're absolutely right. It's being approved in a hurry. But the analogy I want you to use is that we're using the same approval pathway, the same highway. It's just instead of driving down the road at 55, we're driving at 90 miles an hour. So no one's taking any shortcuts. The second thing is when you look at the number of people these vaccines are being studied in, each company has done trials in roughly 50,000 people, half of which are getting vaccine and half placebo. So taken together, there are 50,000 people who will have had this vaccine. So we're going to have a pretty darn good idea of the short-term safety profile. And what we know now is that these vaccines give you a sore arm and occasionally a little bit of a fever and a, and a headache. But so far, nobody's seen anything terrible. Now, some people will say, well, what about long-term? Great question. And we don't know yet long-term. But what I want people to remember is that if you're making your vaccine decision, you're comparing a proven benefit immediately available to you now. It's going to prevent you from getting bad disease against a theoretical possibility of a long-term problem that may or may not even occur. And we have now almost 14 million people in the country having tested positive, probably many more having been positive, and we have nearly 300,000 deaths, and that roughly runs into around 2% or so of mortality. So this is a pretty deadly virus. People should take it seriously, especially those at risk. That's why I'm so excited about the vaccine. I'll be second in line right behind you. In fact, maybe I'll give you your shot and you can get my shot to me. Um, and I don't really care where you give it, Ken. It's fine, wherever. <laughs> uh, but, but we, we got to get this going. And I would say, you know, you know, Ken and I both probably have more frontline experience with people who are in distress from this disease. It is real. It's a real problem disease, especially uh, for people at risk. And it's something that I'm really excited to get rid of. Me too. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish this problem on someone I don't like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's, it's tough. And, you know, by the time we're done, I think probably one in 800 Americans will die of this. So yeah. if you think about adverse events with the vaccine, that's way, way lower. Well, it's great. Uh, as always, Ken, uh, it's great talking. We probably need to have these, Carol, more often. 
it changes often, but um, everyone, please stay safe. We, we, we can't stress enough, with or without the vaccine, masking, distancing, washing your hands. It's gonna be important. Uh, it's important now. It's just critically important. We see the numbers of our associates getting sick uh, every day. Uh, it just, it, it saddens us. It saddens me a great deal to see the people that are getting sick uh, from that are Nemours associates and they're getting it in the community. So you have to be, you know, we're, we're trying to get this place, these places in Nemours to be as safe as possible. We've done a great job, I think, but it's up to all of us to stay safe. Dr. Jay Greenspan is the Nemours Enterprise-Wide Incident Commander for Handling the Pandemic. He was joined in conversation today by Dr. Kenneth Alexander, Chief of the Division of Infectious Diseases at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. Dr. Greenspan takes the reins of the podcast at a critical time with a focused mission to communicate directly with associates about the constantly changing COVID-19 situation and how it affects you, the Nemours Associate. From operational changes to rumor busting, this podcast will provide you with the most accurate and up-to-date information on all things COVID from across the enterprise and brings it directly to you from the source. Do you have a COVID-19 question related to Nemours? Send it on over to COVID19questions at Nemours.org so that Dr. Greenspan and his team of experts may answer it for you. That's COVID19questions at Nemours.org. Don't forget the podcast is very easy to find on the Nemours intranet as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, just about anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks to our production partners, Deborah Griffin and Peter Adebi, as well as the new members of our production team, Dr. Maureen Leffler and Cheryl Munn-Wright. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Fall River, Massachusetts. On behalf of Dr. Jay Greenspan and Dr. Kenneth Alexander, I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children we serve. <laughs>